Um, it's season four, bitch. Welcome to season four. Yay. Um, I'm Liza. I'm Riss. And in case you didn't realize it, this is The Little Sleep. Much reading podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind seasons i don't know if you guys heard this is our fourth season (laughs) did y'all know it's the fourth season fourth season episode 55 that's so insane Mm -hmm. that's truly wild for a second i didn't even realize we could have possibly been doing this for four seasons and i was like is this only the third season no it's technically the fifth season because we had the aruba season too Mm -hmm. mm-hmm we're crazy we're crazy girls we're like we're unstoppable we'd be girl bossing um so new year happy 2023 um does anyone have any reading goals and i don't just mean like amount of books any reading goal That's a really good question. I didn't think of this until right now, but when you say that you wanted to read a debut author for Black History Month, which is next month, people, um, I realized I kind of want to read more debut authors. That's kind of a fun goal. Love it. I want to do more audiobooks. Audiobooks. Mm -hmm. That's my 2023 reading goal. Oh, that's a fun thing, too. You should also tell people what you told me, what kind of card that you just got. I just got a library card. And guess what? I applied online. It took me less than five minutes, and it was so easy, and my card's coming in the mail. Yay! So easy. Everyone, go do it. Just look up your local library. I just looked up Buffalo Library, and then I clicked on the first one, and it's like this whole, like, they're all through one branch, if that makes sense. So, yeah, super fun, super cool. Very excited about it. Everyone loves it. Everyone's going to go get one. New year, new library card. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. one of my goals, too. And I even had written goal, go to BPL, which is Brooklyn Public Library. Um, because in New York, you can apply online, but you have to, like, finish your application. In New York City, you have to apply online, but you have to finish your application in the branch, which is, like, a little annoying. Don't they have to see your ID? Yeah, they have to see, and I have to bring in, like, mail because my ID is not from the state of New York. Right, I remember doing that. Yeah, when we went to the New York Public Library Mm -hmm. for class, but that's one of my goals. And then also, I think since I don't, uh, news up, life update, I don't work at um, anymore, so I uh, don't have a discount on books. So I think I'm going to go to the library a lot more. Um, another goal is to get through all of my books that I have that I haven't read, which is a lot. And I think I might buy an e-reader this year. Fun. 
I might finally do it because I'm always one of those bitches that's like, I want a paper book. But the e-readers, they come in handy. Mm-hmm. And you can get library books on your e-reader. Yeah. In the same way you can get audiobooks from the library. It's worth a try. It's worth a try. We'll see. I'm not going to get a Kindle and I'm not going to get a Nook because I've not heard good things about the Nook and the Kindle. I don't want to support Jeff. So I think I'm going to get like a, there's another brand that is apparently the most compatible with library books. So we'll we'll look into that one. Definitely going to be fun. I know I say now that I'm going to try not to buy as many books this year, but there's some that you want. There's stuff. For example, Our Wives Under the Sea sold out during our hardcover sale before I could get it. Ouch. That one hurt. Mm-hmm. I really want to read that. It's definitely worth having on a shelf. Mm-hmm. A Touch of Jen. I'm obsessed with the cover. I need it on my shelf. I can't. It, my library has it. I don't want it to be a library book. No. And, and you didn't get it during the hardcover sale. We didn't have it classic and I was like I don't know if I'm I was unsure about it at the time so I wasn't going to order it and I didn't know what we were doing for a podcast yet hint hint so mm, but it's okay okay. I'll get it in February when it comes out in paperback and it'll be cool slay slay and then we'll just have to do another episode that's can be a touch of gen can be used Um, um I would also like to say how come since we started this podcast my tbr has grown it's two shelves now instead of one shelf why ridiculous somebody put us down <laughs> we put us out of our misery put us out. we have problems we're not doing well we're not doing well. that much Mm-mm. we're doing our best but <laughs> um lit news prince harry's book is out <laughs> uh I my mom was like please buy it for me I really want to read it so I was like okay so I pre-ordered it for her we got it the day it came out I brought it home to her and then I heard on TikTok that it talks about him losing his virginity and his dick and all this really fun stuff and I'm like my mom's gonna read that <laughs> he does in fact say the p-word which we've had that conversation many a times on this podcast that we hate the p-word and now I have audio memory because it's been all over tiktok of him saying the p word so so you saw the specific clip where they're like oh put this on your lips and he's like my mom used to put that on her lips yeah you know what i'm talking about he's putting ointment to to paint a picture Mm -hmm. those of you that aren't on book talk he put ointment that princess diana used to use as lip balm on his dick and it, like, reminded him of his mom. And I said, girl, why the fuck would you say that? Which, like, I'm happy that he's being human. But, like, also, I, I'm not a fan. Not a, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I will say, I've seen a lot of people on TikTok being, like, he ghost wrote, a ghostwriter wrote the book. Da, 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 da. It's very possible that he didn't write it. But that doesn't mean the stuff in it is false. That means he's not a talented writer, which why would he be? He's a freaking prince that was in the army. And like, I don't know if he ever went to fucking school. Like, there's no reason he needs to be a good writer. But I'm sure he told some writer all the things he wanted to include. And then they wrote it. 
but and they were like this is salacious salacious thank you but that's like there's a big difference between someone who like really doesn't write their book and when a celebrity tells somebody something and then they write it like yes you gotta excuse him for that like why would prince harry need to be a, a good writer he doesn't Mm-mm. he's prince harry and everyone's buying his book anyways we had over 200 copies ordered yeah oh yeah it's bigger than uh it's gonna be bigger than i'm glad my mom died <laughs> and it's like a 38 dollar book it is yeah, not it's, cheap it's expensive it's very expensive and like i always thought he was the cute brother but seeing his face on that book he's funny looking Sneaky. Um, apologies to any British people that are listening. We love you as individuals, but the British royal family is so inbred. And I feel like British people are always making fun of Americans for being like podunk and inbred. And I'm like, uh, y'all's ruling class is inbred. Like, leave us the fuck alone. Also, America's so big. Don't you know that? Like, America is so huge. There's only a small part of inbreds. a few inbred um and it's not their fault honestly it's Mm -mm. the poverty of it all that made them inbred yeah we don't we don't in america we don't inbreed to keep it in the family we inbreed because terrible things happen to people what's y'all's excuse (laughs) yeah thank god kate isn't related to them at all because that Mm -hmm. means those kids aren't inbred um and then Megan's obviously not related either. So we're starting to be in the clear. Oh, boy. Damn. Again, British people, we love you as individuals, but <laughs> relax with the monarchy. <laughs> it, it, why? I don't know. You know what? I just don't know. No, it's okay. It's all right. Um, but Marissa. Yeah. What's the theme of today's episode? we're we're doing another wrapped episode so this is 2022 wrapped it's very exciting some really good books this year huh Mm -hmm. what was your final book count 70 70 whole friggin books it was almost 69 and then i last minute read nosferatu by joe hill because i was like i can't i can't go on the show and be like 69 books Mm -hmm. I mean, you definitely could have. I mean, I could have, but that would have been embarrassing. Uh, what's your count? Mine was only 38. I started a lot of books that I didn't finish this year. And that's okay, too. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know what? I feel like I used to get really upset about, like, the number of books I've read. And I'm like, how come I don't read more? Mm-hmm. But then when I was, like actively putting all my books into story graph this year so I just could see them it was like I've read over 10,000 pages and I said that's enough that's enough you don't that's need good. to there's no cap like I swear to god I think if you are excited because you even just finished a book this year good job like proud of you if you read 230 books I saw a girl on tiktok who read 230 books is she I okay said, I know I was like ma'am when were you ever outside? But you also, like, live your life. Mm-hmm. And who's to, we never know what it is. Like, it could have been, like, a bunch of poetry. You can finish poetry in one day. Um, 
my friend was like, should I count fan fictions I read as books? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Because you put time and effort into reading something start to finish. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. Like, you should count it in your final count. So if you read way more fan fiction, like 100 fan fictions in one book, bitch, you read 101 books. I don't care. You did it. Yeah. Live your life. Do it. It, maybe people read those manga books and they finish them really quick. Right. Graphic novels. Um, yeah, there's so many kinds of things. I'm sure my mom has read so many books because she's a children's librarian. So if you, like, read a bunch of books to your kid or your little sibling or if you're a teacher and you read books that way or if you just read kids' books just for the shit of it because why not? That counts. Any sort of reading counts as reading. Audiobooks count. All that jazz. Should we get started, love? Let's do it. Let's work back from 10. Yes. Who, do you want to go first? Um, yeah. Yeah. I had two honorable mentions. So I should say, first, how I did my list was I looked at all my books and I wrote down all the ones that I really, really like. And then I rated them. And well, first I put them in a, I put them all in a list, and then I organized the list by how I thought that the list should be, and then I went through and looked at the averages of all of them that we've rated on the podcast and added that in, and then made a new list based on that and kind of saw where it fit. So, um, two books that I have for honorable mentions, which I think Liza is going to be like, what? The first one is The Woman in Cabin Ten. I liked it. It was fun. Um, it was a good mystery. I just think, like, I could definitely see this book being someone's number 10, or number one, but just simply was not mine. And that's okay. It doesn't mean the book was bad at all. Like, Ruth Ware's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, so, didn't make the cut, but still amazing. And then The Butcher and the Wren, it didn't make the cut, but it was amazing. It was so good. I just feel like there were so many... A lot of the books on my list, after looking back at them and thinking about them, I was like, oh, this was, like, not only a great book, but it was also the moment that I read it that was really good. Mm. And I feel like The Butcher and the Wren, while it was amazing and great, it didn't have the moment feel for me. So it just wasn't, just didn't make it to my list. So any honorable mentions for you, Liza? That's totally fair. Um, I had so many that I had still ranked really high, but like obviously weren't going to make it into the top 10. I will say I ranked all the way up to like 15. So for example, number 12 for me um, was Love and Fury by Samantha Silva, which I actually read for the podcast for the Mary Shelley episode. I really liked that book a lot. And it was historical fiction, which is not typically my cup of tea. But I feel like that was like, like you said, like it's it not only is it the book, but it's like the moment you're reading the book that I think plays into it. And I just like read that one cover to cover in only a few sittings. And I found it really intriguing. Um, So definitely go back to the Mary Shelley episode for that one if you're interested. And I'll, I'll say my number 11 was a book by the same author that was one of my top books last year, um, Caitlin Doty, who's Ask a Mortician on YouTube. Last year, one of my top books was um, Why Did My Brain Just Combust? I love that book. From Here to Eternity. 
Um, and this year, her I read her book Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, which is her memoir about when she was worked in a crematorium before she became a mortician. Uh, and I just really loved it. I love her writing style. So that almost made it into my top 10. But there were so many like really good books this year that I would also just like want to like shout out like I Will Die in a Foreign Land by Kalani Pickhart. That was about the war in Ukraine before this current war in Ukraine. That's from $2 Radio, one of the small presses that we really love. And I would definitely say check that out. Um, the Odyssey by Lara Williams, which I put as one of my staff recs before I um, quit my job, um, was really fun. Just lots of good stuff. But we read some good books this year, for sure. Slay. Do you have any um, least best books? Yeah. <laughs> I have a few. I'm going to have to shout out The Wreath by Nora Roberts, which I read in Aruba for our Beach Trash episode. Nora, you're not for me. I didn't love that. And you can go back to that episode, guys, and listen to it because we had fun. We recorded it in Aruba um, with a live studio audience. And I'm, I'm wondering if that made it into Marissa's bottom as well. I'll shout out a few more. Uh, Vertigo and Ghost, which I didn't even write down the name of the poet, but it was a, one of the options I read for Poetry Week, and I was going to pick a favorite, and I picked one called Brute, which almost made it into my honorable mentions. It made it into, I believe, like top 20 of my books of the year, but I don't even remember the writer. It was very much giving, very much, I let me make a Tumblr post about my feelings real quick, and for some reason, it just pissed me off, and the last one I'll say is interesting and I would really like to get people's perspective on this. I read this book called Acts of Service. Maybe you guys recall it. Beautiful cover, hot pink writing with like a naked woman on the cover. I thought the book was technically actually very good, but I hated the main character so fucking much. Just detested her that I like the book left such an awful taste in my mouth. And I'm like Okay, actually, though, should that count as a bad book? Probably not. Because if you can feel that strongly about a character, that means the writer did a good job. But it can still be like you didn't like the book. So that's why I'll shout out that. It's not in the same way, like, as that poetry book in the Nora Roberts that, like, I think it was trash. Like, I think it was technically, like, good literary fiction. But it just pissed me the hell off. So I have to give it a little shout out there. What's your bottom three or bottom few? So the first one I'm going to say, I feel bad saying it because one of my favorite people from work who actually reminds me of a mini Eliza, she recommended this to me, but Laura Olympus. Here's the thing, guys. I think it's interesting. I like the mythology. I think the colors are beautiful. And I think that the illustrations are really interesting and fun. And I like that. I'm not so much of a fan of how it feels like poor fanfic, like very surface level. It doesn't get very deep kind of fanfic. And, you know, I only read volume one, so perhaps it gets better as it goes on um, because lots of writers do and lots of books kind of find their groove after a while. Maybe this one does. I don't know. I don't know, like, I want to continue reading the series only because I bought a $40 book. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I should continue that. 
Um, but also, can I justify continuing to spend a large amount of money on it if I don't like it? I don't know, besties. So that one's in, in the bottom, but I do, I, I can see how it is for some people, perhaps just not for me. I'll also say I did like how it's on the longer side of a graphic novel, but I still don't feel like I knew enough about the what I was dealing with at the end of the book. Then I'm sure this is no surprise to anyone, but In the Miso Soup hated that book. We talked about it. Don't could not tell you what was going on there. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I'm just so confused by that book still. I can't even begin to explain it. And then also, this should not be a surprise to anyone, but Norwegian Wood hated that. If you listen to our podcast, I hated that. And I will still go off on rants about it. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just also confused about that book and it makes me feel icky in almost the same way that In the Miso Soup does, which is interesting um but those are my least best and I will say like I said there were quite a few books that I started and didn't finish this year um one of them in particular that I can think of I did not like it very much and I don't like my other ones that I didn't finish I'm like okay I could pick that back up and try to finish it there is one that I'm like no I don't think that I can but I'm not gonna I'm not going to call it a least best because I didn't finish it. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I'm just going to leave it where it is as a DNF and call it a call it a, a day. Well, I'm so surprised that the stepsisters book didn't make it into your bottom three. That's so fucking funny. You know, it was entertaining enough. Like, like there's nothing that made me super mad about that book. I was just kind of like rich people you know what I mean right right and um there was nothing that like there was never a point in that book where I was like okay I think I need to stop reading this no we're like in the miso soup I was like do I continue reading this book like I'm not really sure no stepsisters I kept reading the whole way through and I was fairly entertained even though I feel like not much happened yeah um but I feel like it was enough to not be terrible so That's so funny. Susan Mallory. Slay. Good for you. Proud. Miss Miss Dollar Tree Queen. We love it. We love it. And into the list. Into the list. What was your 10? My number 10. Um, so I don't think I covered this book on the podcast. But um, so because I didn't cover this book on the podcast, it's not a book that I got an average out of from ratings. It's one that I said, this is what I think that I would rate this. So I rated it a six and it is here. I just realized I did not write down um, the authors of these books. So let me pull that up real quick. So yeah, it's here by Richard McGuire. And so I was actually kind of surprised to see that this book would be on my list. And I think this is one of the books where it was more about like the vibe of the time. Um, I read this book close to the time. I I think I read it in like May and it was when like me and Nick were first kind of like seeing each other a lot. And as soon as I read it, I just knew like this would be something that he liked. So it was a book that I like 
lent to him and he read it and we like talked about it um for those of you who don't know it's it's a graphic novel it's really beautiful i love stories that that um are centered around something else besides a character and this book was centered around one specific room and so like on one page it could show the room in like 2000 but then also show it in 1901 and 1968 and 1982 all in one scene just like pieces of it and I love that I thought it was so interesting it was really fun the images were beautiful like I said it was a since it was a graphic novel it was like a really quick read and there were barely any words it was kind of like you flipping through it and and also the reason why I didn't get more points for me is because it's just kind of quiet and while like I love the concept I wish that there was more of it. Like, I wish that I could get, like, looking through the timeline, kind of create your own plot in your head. Um, I do wish that there could have been more done with that, and maybe the plot would have connected a little bit more. But also, that's just me being writerly and thinking about it too much, because not everything has to. And so, yeah, that's that's my number 10. But yeah, Marissa, that's so cool. I I like doing this challenge every year because books that we didn't end up talking to each other about end up on the list, which I think is really fun. This one we did talk about together. My number 10 is The Butcher and the Wren, uh, Violina Urquhart. Um, I think this, out of all the books on this list, this is definitely in the top, like, for I had such a fun time reading it. You guys can go back to the episode and listen to it so I won't get like into too much of it. But it was so fun, so fast paced, very clever, good writing. It felt like a really good episode of Criminal Minds in a book. And I just think that's so fun. And I think you really have to judge a book not only by the literary talent of the person, but how much fun you had reading it. Because you can talk about how talented someone was for days, but actually not really like the book because it was boring or it made you angry or, you know, like something like that. But um, this book, just a fun fucking time. So always remember to read fun books, y'all. That's my message to go with my number 10 book of 2022. That actually fits really well with my number nine. Because my number nine is Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. And this is another, we talked about this one on the podcast, but we didn't officially rate them because it was during our readathon. Um, and so I'm going to give this, at least I don't think that we did, but I'm going to give it like a six or a seven. And honestly, I think I liked it so much because it was just a really fun read. It was so entertaining. Weirdly enough, I like identified with this main character. Even though he's, like, obviously manic, he's obviously chaotic, there's just, like, I don't know, just the weirdest energy coming off of him. And, like, I could definitely think of moments in my life where I was like, yeah, I've definitely been that crazy manic person. So I totally get it. Um, And I just loved how much I was, like, relating to him. I will say, like, it did get weird in almost a bad way towards the end. So that's why... it's not like totally up there and why it lowered points. Um, not that the ending was bad at all, just that like it was just not my favorite ending to a book, but it was super fun, and that's why it is my number nine. 
I'm coming in with another just really freaking fun one for my number nine. Also, I just want to say, because Marissa has been telling her rankings, I did my ranking a little differently. Um, so I basically put the 10 together out of like my top ranked books in my like reading, my like lit charts or whatever it's called. Um, so I'm basically numbers 10 through five are like my four and a half star books on there because they don't rate out of 10. And my um, four through one are my five star books just to give you guys a little heads up um my number nine <laughs> shocking i was like girl i don't know how this ended up here but i fucking loved it i kissed shara wheeler by casey mcquiston it is a ya book it's casey mcquiston's first ya book um you guys might recognize her name from um one last stop um and then also she wrote the red white and royal blue um, both of those books are not books that I really plan on reading. I read this one because everybody at work was reading it and my best, one of my best friends at work loved it. And I said, okay, I'll, bitch, I'll read it. Oh my God. This was the most fun I had reading a book in the longest. It reminded me so much of how much I used to love reading when I was like 15, 16. I loved the book Paper Towns when I first read it. I remember reading it and being like, this is the best motherfucking book I've ever read in my life. Um, and I, I, I would just read it over and over again. Uh, I did it with The Fault in Our Stars too, but this book was great. I'm so glad kids these days have this book instead of Paper Towns because it's basically very similar to Paper Towns. It's this girl, she kisses two people or three people. She kisses some people and then she disappears and, and it's boys and girls. So she's by, and then they have to like solve all these clues to like find out where she went. And she's the most popular girl in school. No, it's three people. So it's her jockey boyfriend, her, this like nerdy punk kid and this lesbian girl. And they're all very different. And she's like the most popular girl in school. And then they're all like solving these clues to like find out, first of all, why she kissed all of them and then disappeared, where she disappeared to. And then they all become like three like unlikely best friends. And it ends up really having nothing to do with Shara Wheeler um, because they find out that like their friendship is basically like more fun and important than like actually Shara picking one of them very fun a little silly goofy but it had to be in my top nine just because I had literally a blast reading it why did that remind me a little bit of 13 reasons why giving a little 13 reasons but that's why I'm like I'm glad kids today have this instead of 13 reasons or paper towns because it's queer rap it's diverse um very diverse cast and it's like nothing problematic occurs and I'm like thank fucking Christ <laughs> my number eight so when i averaged this one out it tied with another one and then i just decided which one i liked more or less so this one's uh number eight is the devil in silver by victor lavelle and so um i did rate this one for the podcast back in like the beginning of the year i gave it a 7.6 like when i averaged it all um, this was another book that I feel like it was really a vibe when I needed it to be. I think I read it at the right time where because um, if you guys don't remember, the main character is stuck in a mental institution. And because of that, I think it can 
get a little bit sticky where it's almost like if you're not reading this book at the right time, you might get sick of it. Because, I mean, it's the same characters in the same place doing virtually almost the same things every single day. So I think it can get boring for some people. But because I read it in kind of like winter to spring, it had like a good cabin fever trap type vibes to me. And the characters were all really likable and complex in it that I I found it interesting. But I think what really pushed it up there, also the story was really good. Like I got to the end of that story and I felt like good about it. Um, And I don't mean satisfied. I mean like, wow, like, yeah, (laughs) you know, that kind of feeling. I will also say, I think the thing that gave it a lot of points is the like the creature, the monster in it was so like creepy and perfectly gross to me and I love how it's almost like you know that this creature actually exists but he's he's also like a legend in these like patients mind that was so interesting to me I loved it it was so complex so wonderful the characters really balanced each other out really well. Like there are some characters who I know that I would not like if it was just them. The main character, I probably wouldn't like him if it was just a story about him. But because he's with these other characters and he gets to interact with the right people, you like him. I thought it was beautiful, really well made. So number eight. Um, My number eight is um the last of the like strictly made it on the list because I just had the most fun ever reading them. Uh, And it's also a big shocker to me that I ended up really loving this author. I read three of her books this year. Uh, One of them was almost an honorable mention. The other was still pretty high up. And this one's obviously number eight. So that is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I read this. uh, It was another one that I finished so quick just because it was so much fun. Um, It's another like queer representation book like I kiss Char Wheeler. So if that's your cup of tea, I definitely recommend this book. Uh, and it's just plain fun. And the the thing I'll say about TJR, she knows how to tell a freaking story. Also, I just realized I've read four of her books this year because I read Carrie Soto is back too, which I didn't like. But she is a masterful storyteller. Masterful storyteller. Literally, don't really care for her writing that much. Parts of it are fun and like good, but it really is out of all the stories I read this year, maybe the best one, like no notes for Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It's it's great. And I'm excited. I guess they're turning it into a movie, which we'll have to see. I'm like nervous about because I'm one of those people that when I really care about a book, I don't want it to be a movie actually. So this one I'm nervous about, but Daisy Jones and the Six which out of the four I read was my second to last um, favorite. Uh, they're turning into a TV show uh, starring Riley Kehoe as Daisy Jones, who is the daughter of um, Lisa Marie Presley, who actually just passed away the day before um, we re- were recording this, um, which is super sad. But yeah, she's Elvis Presley's uh, granddaughter. And I'm very excited about the TV show. So we'll have to, I don't know, it comes out in March. So we'll have to see, maybe we can do like, a, we can talk about that with Lit News after I, I watch the show since I have in fact read the book. But yeah, Seven Husbands, read it. I can guarantee you, you'll have an amazing time. 
Number eight. No. What did I say? Yeah, eight. <laughs> um, so number seven. Um, this, like I said, this book tied with The Devil and Silver, both got a 7.6, but I think that I liked this book just a little bit more. So um, my number seven is The Water Cure. It was just so poetic and beautiful. Um, I loved the format of it, especially uh, it was split up into three sections. I especially loved the first section. It was it was just the right amount of like, this is weird. And like, I hate that this happened to these characters kind of vibes. I really loved how lyrical the beginning section was. I'll also say, I think what bumped this up a little bit more is this is one of the first books that I have ever read that I felt like truly captured some of the feelings of like feminine lust and longing and relationships and navigating and navigating that when you don't know what you're doing and it's just interesting to me I think that like a lot of females especially when you're very young you're portrayed to be like obsessed with guys and like your first relationship you're like so obsessed with it and everything and it, it's just interesting like seeing those feelings on a page and and because you know the character and where the character comes from, you can see where those feelings are hatching from. Loved it. I I love feminine rage. I love feminine feelings. I love to see them on the page and how they unfold. Beautiful. And honestly, just a devastating story. So yeah, that's my number seven, The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. Speaking of like femininity... My number seven is Here Lies by Olivia Claire Friedman, which I read for our Not Your Mama's Earth Day episode because it is a climate apocalypse. But the very best part of this book and the reason I think it stuck with me so much is the relationships between women. So the main plot of the book is this, this woman who's trying to dispose of her mother's remains in the way her mother would have wanted but she has this friend who sort of helps her along the way who is pregnant and expecting to give birth to a child and they have this really beautiful friendship and then there's also this um this really beautiful friendship with an older woman um who's going to help them dispose of their remains and it was really those relationships between those women of very different walks of life and backgrounds and like grappling with life and death quite literally uh that stuck with me so much about this book and how and I think I remember saying it was like a very quiet apocalypse like I think it's really clever to set something against an apocalypse and have that not really be the the point of the book at all so I really love that book. I'd recommend it to a lot of different people. Slay, 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 number seven. Slay. Number six is one that I didn't talk about on the podcast, but Liza did. So I, it again, it wasn't one that was rated, but I gave it about a 7.7. So it's Dark Harvest by Norman Partridge. And I think this is just another really fun read. It was short and quick. It got me out of like a mini reading slump I was in. The story was really, really original and the darker themes of it are something that's going to sit with me for a while, I think. 
And I think that it's it's up so high on my list because of how it was told. And if you read the author's note at the end, um, he talks about how he kind of styled it after telling a campfire story. And I loved that. I it, I think if I were to reread the story with that in mind, it would like kill me. And I thought it was really interesting how the second person kind of comes into it a lot, meaning like second person point of view. And yeah, I don't know. I just really liked it. I thought it was just the right amount of like gruesome and just the right amount of like creepy um but in a in in a real way uh so yeah that's why it's my number six and yeah um i there's so many moments from when i was reading that book that i literally remember being like so i'm glad you like brought that up that it was like a good mix of like there were some really gruesome there was some gruesome shit going on but it was just so good and none of it felt gratuitous actually. So that's rare. Okay, here's the tea about my next book. My number six is Earthlings by Sayaka Murata, which fun fact, her book, Convenience Store Woman, I think made it into my top 10 last year. So I do really like her as an author. I'll tell you something though. I rank this book obviously really high, but I'll tell you something. I rated this book really high when I first read it. I have since blocked out the feeling I had while reading this book because it was so disturbing. So many things in this book were just absolutely fucking awful, but it was so good. But I will say, when I was reading this book, start to finish, it made my skin crawl. I felt so yucky. So big trigger warning there. If you don't like to feel yucky wucky, while you're reading a book do not read earthlings by sayaka murata however that has nothing to do with how good or bad the book was i i love this book i thought it was amazing um truly a work of art a plot twist in the end that is truly shocking so i can't give a trigger warning for the plot twist i literally think you just have to like rock with it and hope that one of your big things that freaks you out isn't what this plot twist is <laughs> um but i will say it does have um I'll give a trigger warning for this because it's right in it right off the bat. Um, this sort of thing is happening for incest, pedophilia, and sexual assault. Totally understand if you don't want to read this book because of those reasons. But otherwise, um, yeah, this book's fucking crazy. Sayaka Murata is nuts. I love her. Convenience Store Woman was so weird, but so good and very wholesome. Whereas Earthlings is so weird but so good and the absolute opposite of wholesome. And that's all I'll say about my number six. <laughs> my number five. So my number five was one that we did talk about on the podcast. It's Goddess of Filth by V. Castro. Um, It got about a 7.8 when I averaged it out. And I think it's mainly because... It's a short book by a small press. And she completely reverses how possession is normally portrayed in horror. And I loved that. You know, instead of having like an almost shameful 
showing of like female sexuality and expression it it has almost like a celebration a coming into that in a weird way um and learning to use it with you and I just feel like the the feminine power that radiates from this book is just delicious um it's really like everything that you could want and yeah I think I think it got so high simply because it changes possession in in such a beautiful way my number five is um also is read for the podcast go back to our feast week episode but it's a certain hunger by chelsea summers and this book is so silly goofy like listen this is another one where technically speaking the content is very very disturbing and there were definitely a few moments where i was like hey it's yucky but otherwise i was like this is so fun um definitely the most some of the most fun you can have with like weird pretentious literary fiction and I think that was the point I have to believe so this is written in the from the as a memoir like a fake memoir I have to believe that Chelsea Summers made the choices she did with language and description because she was trying to make the main character just such a little asshole the narrator and I think it's funny I think it's ironic I think it's satire um and I would count it still as horror, though, because, like, some crazy shit was going down, and it was gory. So if you like to have a little hee-hee-ha-ha, but you also love literary fiction, but you also love horror, and you also love the empowerment of women <laughs> and the glorification of murder by women, then Certain Hunger by Chelsea Summers is for you. Sick, cool, pussy slay. My number four is The Road by Cormac McCarthy. It got a 7.8. And I think I put it just above Goddess of Filth simply because it's a longer book and I had more emotion running through it. It was so dark. It was so dread-inducing. It was so just like the landscape that he created, how absolutely hopeless everything seems. So good. There was like one scene specifically that was really creepy and weird. And I feel like you just feel the struggle of this father the entire time. Um, Also, I will say I cried extremely hard at the end. And I feel like that alone deserves for it to be number four. So that's how I feel about that. My number four, I also loved and probably now finds its way into one of my top books of all time I would say the next four um really freaking good and that is Slewfoot by Brahm I loved this book it is so good it's so weird the imagery is stunning the story is super fucking cool and original and it also has a lot of um illustrations in it which is very fun the horror is horrific it's so scary um I still think about moments from it to this day I loved it I would also like to give a little shout out to myself that is the only book by a man in my entire top 10 and my entire top 15 
So can I get a hell yeah? Men were canceled in 2022. Um, unfortunately, they did find their way like twice into my honorable mentions with Dark Harvest and actually in Watermelon Sugar, which is interesting, but no boys allowed. No boys allowed. Kill them. Here we get yeah, that's my number four, bestie. It's so, since we're in, like, the top three, do you have any ideas what my top three are? Like, could you think of one singular book that you think would be in my top three? That's really freaking hard because I'm racing back through everything I think that you read this year. Mm-hmm. And... Oh. oh, oh, I think I know... I think I know one of them. I think maybe Brother. I don't know, though. I'm surprised The Water Cure didn't end up in there. I wonder about Wicked. And those are my, I guess those are my, those are my only guesses. Fun. Just silly. Isn't this silly? Like, what do you think, what do you think could be in my top three? I don't know if you'll know because I only read one. Well, I did read two of these for the podcast. I'll give you that hint. I knew that Slewfoot was going to be high. I thought it was going to be kind of top three. I'm a little surprised it wasn't. I think. Oh, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Let's hear your third. Exciting. Um. So my third, I was actually really surprised that this book ended up so high. And after like doing all the averages and everything, I was going to move this one down because I was like, there's no way this book should be this high. And even like when I first made my list, it came lower, but not that much lower. So I was like, maybe I should just keep it where it is in the averages. Um, so my number three is where the crawdads sing. No freaking way. It got a number eight. Um, and you know, after thinking about it, I just think that the main character, Kaya, she was just so... She was just such a good main character. She was she was so like charming in her own way. And and like after I mean it's been two or three months now since I've read the book. After thinking about it, I I just feel like that is just a story of overcoming neglect and isolation in such a beautiful way without it being like smeared all over the book. Um there's like so many different things just weave throughout the book you know there's romance there's some really horrific moments there's a whole mystery going on there's like a court drama going on um and it's it's all like presented with this beautiful backdrop of just nature like it's just it's a gorgeous book and I love how scientific it can get at moments um I also love I think that like a lot of people would read this book and not fully understand how much this book is actually about feminine rage. Mm. And 
I think that it's important to recognize that feminine rage is there and and rightfully so it should be there and I think that a lot a lot a lot more females should start raging can we just all start raging I think that's like the theme of 2023 should be feminine rage period so that's how I feel about that and that's why that was my number three I'm down for that. I'm down for feminine rage of tw- in 2023. Um, my number three is "We Ride Upon Sticks" by Quan Berry, which I didn't read for the podcast. No, I didn't read it for the podcast. I freaking love this book. This book, I think, is what I would tell people is my favorite book going forward. Um, even though it's only number three, uh, I freaking I. And it's one that I think I would tell people because I think other people would be somewhat familiar. They'd like have seen it somewhere maybe. And it's not one that I would be nervous that someone would pick it up and read it and be like, this girl's fucking weird. Um, (laughs) But it's really good. It's obviously still weird. Um, And it's really another one of those that's just about like women, girls, friendships, which I guess is just one of my favorite things ever. Um, I just love, uh, I love that TikTok audio that's like how I love being a woman. Like, that's how I feel when I read a lot. And I think it has to do, I think you can find it in a lot of different ways. I think you can find it with feminine rage, like Marissa was saying. And I think you can also find it with just like really strong female friendships. But yeah, this book is about this team of um, field hockey players from in the 80s from Salem, Massachusetts, who, from Danvers, to be exact, um, who signed their book, their names in, like, the Book of the Beast, which is really just their notebook with, like, Ralph Macchio on the cover, and they do it because they're, like, okay, if we sign ourselves over to Satan, we'll win this entire field hockey season, Uh, and that's the premise of the book, and it's all just them being friends, and there's one boy on the team and getting into shenanigans and saying super weird stuff it's so funny um it comes from this first perspective of a character whose name we never find out which i think is really fun um and so for that reason it has this really weird like omniscient narrator but also someone who's really in it and also like a wee perspective that i think is really cool and the writing's just freaking phenomenal it also does remind me a lot of yellow jackets So if you like Yellow Jackets, I think you have to read this book. And I don't think it's a comparison that like the content is that similar to Yellow Jackets. I think it has a lot to do with like the female friendship in Yellow Jackets and also like the team mentality. Um, Because of course in Yellow Jackets, if you guys don't know, they're soccer players who watch the show. It's amazing. Season two is coming out soon. Elijah Wood is in it. Watch it. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of the reason I also loved it was I read it in the same year that I watched Yellow Jackets and both, they were like two of my favorite things that that happened this year. Last year, rather. So yeah, number three. Okay, now that we have two left, I'm like, there's one that I definitely know is going to be in our top two. And then there's one that's like popping in my head but I'm not positive about it. So the one that I'm like, this one has to be in her top two is the one that you got from Aruba. And then the other one that I'm like, I'm unsure about this one. What about the 
Was it wasn't it called Maria Maria? And so that didn't make it, but it was an honorable uh, mention. But I really liked that book a lot. I but but similar you'll a similar vibe for my other one. Similar vibe to it. Maria Maria. Yeah. I really don't know what yours are gonna be anymore. I'm like you threw me for a loop with where the crawdads sing that now I'm just like confused. Um, my number two, truthfully almost completely forgot about this book until I looked back and again when I did my like list on my own this book was all the way at the bottom of my list and then when I when I like did the average I was like there's no way that this book should be this high and then I kind of like went back and looked at my notes on it and I was like oh yeah I loved this book like how did I even forget about it so number two got an 8.1 and it's white is for witching I completely forgot about this book you absolutely beautiful just a gorgeous book um it was very weird but I feel like it's not something that people would be like oh that's like that's like straight horror I don't think a lot of people would consider it straight horror I don't think a lot of people would be like I think a literary fiction lover could pick up this book and feel like it's literary fiction and not like it's some kind of weird form of genre fiction. Um, it was creepy in all the right places. The, the, the syntax, the sentence structure, just gorgeous. Things were just put together perfectly. Um, and the family dynamic in it was just so wonderful and so like dysfunctional but not not in like the normal kind of dysfunctional way if that makes sense and I would also say that the um (laughs) I hate being like this but like I can't help it I think that another reason why this book ranked so high is because there's this theme of like female connectivity in it and the the daughter in the story is connected to her ancestors who are women even though they are no longer with her but they still are with her and there was something so comforting about that to me um and also so questionably creepy that I was just in love with it. So I think it definitely deserved to be number two after I re-examined my notes. So that's why it was my number two. Slay. That's so fun. I still gotta read. That's one I still gotta read for sure. Um, yeah. So Marissa guessed it. My number two is The Van Apple Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. I stole this book from the Airbnb in Aruba because Marissa also stole a book, which was in her honorable mentions. And oh my God, I loved it. One of the weirdest books I've ever read in my entire freaking life. Peculiar to say the least. I think it's out of print because I wanted to make it a staff wreck at my job. No can't do it I don't I'm I'm convinced not another soul in the world has read this book um 
it is Australian. So maybe if there's any listeners in Australia, maybe you're familiar with this book and maybe it's still in print there. Um, it was put through Algonquin Press here. So that's not a small press, but I don't know. It's not, it's almost impossible to find. So it's not really the type of thing I can be like, go out and buy it. Um, although if you can find it, please buy it. Holy shit. I loved it. It's a murder mystery that takes place in the summer in Australia. Uh, but it is so much more than a murder mystery. I don't think I would even ever shelve this in a, in a mystery thriller section at all. It's very literary, gorgeous writing. And it's another one that has like this peculiar sort of female friendship in it um, that obviously the girls who go missing are sisters, um, but it's the girls next door who are also sisters who are like watching a lot of this, you know, horrific stuff unfold that happens to these girls and, and, you know, wondering about what happened to them and sort of figuring it out. Um, that I think is my, is my absolute favorite part of this book, but this book is so sweaty. Like it's another, it's one of those books, that my, my top two, my number one is like this too, that like, oh my God, like the book is humid. Like you read it and you're like, why am I like, why is it so like humid? Like this is, I'm, this is stifling. But at the same time, you're like, I gotta keep reading it. Like, this is crazy. Um, I read this book, I think in like one or two days. I think I finished it. Like, I think I started reading it the last day in Aruba. And then I finished it on the plane. It was so good. I think I was reading it on the Flamingo Island um, that day, just to set the scene a little bit for us. But yeah, fucking amazing. Slay, the Van Apple girls are gone. Also, it's a pink cover. It's a pink cover, guys. We love them. We love them. If anyone wants the book, it is on Thrift Books for $4.69, a very good condition. Go buy it because that's probably one of the only ones you can get. And I'm sure that person only has one copy. So go buy it. Go buy it. I'll never part with this book because of that. You know what I mean? Like all these other books, I could just... My number one is very hard to find too. I also couldn't make it my staff wreck. So my top two, I will never part with them as long as I live because I don't think you'd ever be able to find them again. And that's a fun, that's fun too. That's like a little treat. All right, bitch. Let's hear it. At my number one. Oh I'm my scared. God. Um, before we continue, I would like to say my top 10 was evenly men and women which women dominated the top five so interesting um and i'll also say so this book got an 8.3 this is an author who i want to read more of and who i already have a book that i'm probably going to order within the next couple days of hers that i'm very excited about and yeah, Liza was correct. It's Brother um, by Anya Alborn. I cannot explain to you what this book did to me. There's just such like, as a reader, there's such a want for the main character, for Michael to be good. Even though he does all of these horrible, terrible things, I feel like I was constantly trying to like, 
excuse his actions and find reasons why he should get what he wants. And then I would be so disgusted and feel gross with myself that I wanted him to like succeed somehow. It was insane. Like this book is also to me part psychological thriller because how crazy it is. And also like this is a book that I just had my eye on for so long. And we had like three copies in the store for the longest time. And I just like needed to have it. That when I finally picked it up, I was like, I cannot put this book down. I like ate it up. Um, I'll also say, and I think I said this when we talked about it on our Thanksgiving episode. So on the last episode, you guys just talked about this. You can remember it. Probably two of the most evil characters I have ever read in any book. And just the influence that they have over other people and how they can just make other people do exactly what they want. Terrifying. Um, Absolutely dreadful. Absolutely terrifying. This family just gets away with doing whatever they want. And and it's like none of it's far-fetched. Like it makes complete sense. It was just great. I I was gripped the whole time. She was truly amazing, and I really want to read her book, Seed, so badly, but I looked it up on work's site, and I can't find it, so I'm going to have to get it off of somewhere else, but very exciting. That's my number one. I can't believe I guessed it. So silly, goofy, fun. Oh, um, Very telling that both Marissa and I's Feast Week books made it into our, into our top. Yeah. That's very Marissa and I. Okay, my number one is a book from very early in season three, if you'll travel back in time with me. Um, And that is The Bitch by Pilar Quintana. I read this for our Women's History Month episode, I believe, our feminist fiction episode. Um, and holy shit, do I love this book. It's probably like the best book I've ever read. But this is the one that I was like, I wouldn't tell people that this one was my favorite book because of all time, because I feel like they'd be like, what? Like, that's really weird. And also, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is another one that like, it was being so at our at the work at the company that we work slash worked for. Um, this thing would happen every few months where books would have to get sent back to the publisher because nobody was buying them. And this was a book that had been there for a, in, in our system for a very long time and nobody had bought it. So we had to send it back. And I needed to save it because there's a picture of a chihuahua on the cover and it's called The Bitch. And it's um a uh, translation of a Colombian woman author and so I was like uh, everything that's happening here I love it so I'm just going to save this book from being sent back to the publisher um, and it kind of feels like fate that it ended up in my hands because of that and I love this so much the writing was absolutely crazy crazy good the story was so bizarre the imagery was gorgeous and um, like I said like the Van Apple girls are gone like this was called, I think, the reason, Mar- Marissa, I was like, I can see why you would have thought I would have, Maria Maria would have been in the top. And this one is similar to Maria Maria, not beca- only because it's another Latinx uh, Latina author, but because it's tropical gothic, tropic goth. 
and that's just like new favorite genre just dropped like I'm obsessed obviously this takes place in Colombia and it takes place on the coast of Colombia and so you have a lot of beach imagery and you also have a lot of jungle imagery and it was just such a humid like stifling like oh my god I can't breathe type book again it's literary fiction but if you like horror but you like really weird horror I would say you would like this book because some of the shit that happened in this book had me going like oh like what like I was I was scared um but not in like a scary way and like a I can't even explain it I also feel very similarly to this book as I felt about Savage Conversations by Leanne Howe, which was, I think, maybe my third from the top last year. And that immediately, as a writer, I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever read in my life. Like, I read Savage Conversations by Leanne Howe, and I was like, period. Like, that's superb. I, If I was a teacher, if I was a professor of writing this book is what I am showing to my students. And I and I feel the same way about The Bitch by Pilar Quintana, um, that, you know, it's just the damn coolest thing. One of the damn coolest things I've ever read. Another one that would be hard to find for you guys, I think, because like I said, I tried to order it as my staff rec and they wouldn't let me because it, it you know, it, it was only like a few in the warehouse and it had not performed well before. But if, if you can get your hands on it, please read it. So, so, so good. That was our list. That was our list. How crazy is that? 20 different books from 2022. We did so good. We did so good. We had like really good books this year, Marissa. Mm -hmm. Really good books. Yeah, we really did. We, we slay. And here's to the 2023 list serving just as much contest the 2022 list. It better. That we don't have a choice. Happy season four, everyone. Happy season and four. while this is like our first official episode, next week is going to be us getting back on track to business. Um, with that being said, Liza, what's our theme for next week? I believe next week, around the time our episode comes out, is Mr. Edgar Allan Poe's birthday? Question? It is. So we are reading Edgar Allan Poe-esque books. Emphasis on the esque. So we're not, neither of us are reading Edgar Allan Poe. But Marissa, what are you reading and why? I'm reading um, a book that I've actually also had my eye on for a really really long time and then recently said job that we work at Liza used to work at had this huge sale that they sometimes do where you get like 50% off hardcover books I don't know Um, (laughs) and I was like if I get this book it'll only be $10 so obviously I had to buy it so I'm going to be reading um, What Moves the Dead by Ursula Vernon and it is a retelling of the fall of the house of usher and i will just say just from i haven't started it yet but just from flipping through this book it's got the front cover is gorgeous you open it like if you take off the dust jacket that's gorgeous and even there's an image printed on the inside cover absolutely beautiful the the images i'm already obsessed with this book 
Um, I have a question. Ursula Vernon and T. Kingfisher, same person? Yes. That's funny. <laughs> yes, Just wanted it is. to say that. That's because I did not know that they were the same person. And I love that. Um I think I think T. Kingfisher is the is the name on What Moves the Dead, but that's the less used. I think that's like the pen name, like the the less used name. Ursula Vernon is more used. Yes. I would say. Um, Funny, goofy, silly, crazy. Also, Fall of the House of Usher is my favorite Poe. Really? Um, I fucking love it. And that's what the new TV show is going to be by the same guy who does Midnight Mass. (gasps) I didn't know that. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I'm reading um, another book, uh, not Spawns by the company from which we work, but it was their um, rediscovered classic for a while there. Um, but it is O Caldonia. Um, pardon me while I make sure I have the woman's name correct. Caldonia by Elspeth Barker. Um, so this is a pretty old book that was like reprinted and it is gothic fiction, murder, mystery, and it has a raven on the cover. Uh, so it, although it's not an exact like retelling of any Poe, it's g- definitely giving, it's giving Poe. We love it. We love it. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious. What do you think my favorite Poe is? can i do um like a deep cut yeah and i'll be really like i think it would be kind of cool if this was your favorite poe um the pit and the pendulum no what's your favorite the cast the cast of montalato whoa that is a weird that's even deeper cut than the pit and pendulum <laughs> i love fun. it it's so funny it's so silly to me that's so silly goofy at least, <laughs> at least she didn't say um telltale heart or the raven no my sister loves telltale heart isn't that funny that is funny if if you love telltale heart and the raven we're sorry to say you're a basic bitch <laughs> all the house of usher is giving borderline basic bitch um pit and the pendulum would probably be my second favorite though that should, I, I haven't read pit and the pendulum you should read it it's very short it's weird obviously um, love it he didn't write Mask of the Red Death, did he? Mm, I don't know about that one. I love Mask of the Red Death, whoever wrote that. Um, hold on. Of the Red Death. Oh, no. He did. So that's my, my top three would actually, it would probably go Fall of the House of Usher, Mask of the Red Death, Pit and the Pendulum. Interesting. 1842. That bitch was a long time ago. Yeah, he old. He's very old. He was also um, like maybe a problem, which we can talk about, but hey. Yeah, we, we can bring up um the murder the, the I can't talk today. The murders in the room orb. Yeah. That's that's I told you about that one before with the gorilla. You did, and we'll definitely talk about that. He also can't did wait. marry his much younger cousin. Okay. So, lots to think about with Mr. Poe. Edgar. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, so, uh, season four, ongoing. It's, bye, it's gone. It's, it's gone. happening. 
get ready, mark your calendars, follow us on TikTok, Instagram at LSMR Podcast, turn your notifications on, give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening, and buckle the fuck up. It's going. That was me buckling up. Did you guys hear it? I loved it. Anyways, we love you. Thank you for listening. We love you very much. See you next week. Peace out.